0: Well, good morning, everyone. Please take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8 today, John chapter 8, and we will pick up our reading in verse 31 to the end of the chapter. I encourage you to grab a Bible out of the pew rack and follow along with our reading or use your Bible or Bible app that you have with you. John chapter 8, starting in verse 31. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children... You would be doing the works Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Be The Lord at his blessing of the hearing and the reading of his word this morning. Well, you'll notice I've got a big stack of books here. These are all Bibles. And um, what I wanna share with you for just a second, I'm sharing this not by way of an attempt at boasting or anything. If I talk about the importance of God's word, I just wanna demonstrate that this is how I've tried to live my life, dependent completely on God's word. Again, if I'm going to talk about it, I better be living it, right? And I can't be duplicitous. I can't be saying one thing on one side of my mouth and saying something on the other side of my mouth. So I just want to give you a little history on Bradley's Bibles. Can I do that for a second? This is my promotion Sunday school Bible. Look at that. I even had a little decal and I put a, an arrow pointing upward at it, isn't that cool? But this is the Bible. I must have got this when I was about ten years old, the old King James version. And I, as you said, actually, I've had to put tape on it because the cover has fallen off of it. Next up was my first study Bible. This was a Ryrie study Bible. My dad, I don't know if knows this or not, but I I stole it from him. Um, I don't know if he ever recognized that it was missing. Um, he had other Bibles, but anyway, I borrowed it one time and and kept it, and this took me through my college years all the way into young adulthood, and again, I've had to use Awana tape to hold the thing together. <laughs> Next was the Thompson Chain Reference Bible I got a hold of. This is a wonderful tool, and again, another 10 years went by working with that text, and then uh, one of my favorites was this guy. This is a keyword study Bible. Um, if you smell it just right, it still smells like turkey dinner because we spilled gravy on it uh, in, in Hungary uh, years ago. But, uh, but this, was, this is a, a wonderful study Bible that I had access to. And then most recently, this is my current one. Uh, I don't know, it's about had it. Um, but you know what they say, if your Bible's falling apart, your life probably isn't. And uh, I, I hope that's the case for me. And I I have a brand new one, Uh, and I, I, again, the way this has worked is, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, I turned 60 this year, so I got a new one uh, starting January 1st, I've already got it on my desk at home, ready to go, Um, but I, this is God's word, it's important, we need to make it the center of our lives, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, Jesus over and over again is going to be talking about the importance of his word thoroughly. Now, just for fun, out of the blue this this week, I've got some Facebook messages from two brothers who are down in Angola. Now, mind you, I haven't been these guys' pastor for going on like nine years. And uh, two brothers, Jeremy and Johnny, and Jeremy first sent me a text. He says, hi Brad, me and my brother and I were just talking about you and how you led us through scripture one-on-one. I'm just getting back into reading uh, thoroughly uh, the Bible every day. And are there any tips and tricks? Where do I start? I said, we'll start with the Gospel of John at least one chapter a day. Let me know when you finish that and then I'll hook you up with what to read next, underline or highlight things that are jumping out at you. If you have any questions, let me know and have fun few minutes later, I get another text. Jeremy has motivated me to get back to the Word, going to buy another study Bible and get back at it. If you possibly had any advice or anything, that would be great, greatly appreciated. So I said, hey, try an ESV study Bible. That would be a great version to get. These guys are recognizing that, you know, we got away from God's Word and we need to get back at it. This is important. This is what we're going to be studying today. And I have three questions for you. Are you abiding in his word? Those who abide in God's word are true disciples, scripture says. They will know the truth. They are no longer enslaved to sin. Are you hearing his word? Those who hear will most certainly do. Those who hear truly love Jesus. They truly believe what Jesus has to say. And they personally belong to God. But thirdly, are you keeping his word? Those who keep his word will never see death. They will find enduring joy and they'll have access to the great I am. Our message series is that you may believe. Today's focus is precisely on the great I am. Jesus is the great I am. There are several key markers in our text that we just read a few moments ago. The phrase truly, truly shows up. In the Greek, it's a transliteration of the Hebrew. It's literally amen, amen. Truly, truly, so be it, so be it. This is the way it is, this is the way it is. Three times Jesus says truly, truly in verse 34, 51, and 58. The second word that shows up a lot is the word word. In the Greek, that is the word logos, which for the Greeks, that's a word that denotes the reason and meaning behind all things. For Jesus Christ is precisely the word. That's what John writes about him in John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, that is the logos, and the word, the logos, was with God, and the word, logos, was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This word, word, shows up in verse 31, 37, 43, 47, 51, 52, and 55. That's a lot. Maybe we should pay attention to that. That's why we're going to be talking about God's word today. And then the other phrase at the very end, I am. There are seven I am statements in John's gospel. The first I am statement was from John 6.35, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The second was in verse 812, I am the light of the world that we studied two weeks ago. Today's passage, we see the third I am statement in verse 58, before Abraham was I am. These I, I am statements come from the Greek, literally ego, I me. Jesus uses this phrase referring to himself throughout the Gospel of John. Of course, these I am statements come from the original I am statement found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Remember, our God, his name is not a noun, it's a verb. I am has sent me to you, God says. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This I am statement, I am that I am, is known as the tetragrammaton, the four letters for the name of God in the Hebrew It's the covenant, the very covenant name for God, and it is technically a Hebrew future verbal. In other words, he's not just I am. He is the God who will be always. So in our study today, we'll see a series of increasingly intense objections from the crowd with regard to Jesus' teaching. Two weeks ago in verse 30, we were told that the crowd at first believed in Jesus, but in the end, they turned on him with great anger and frustration, as we're going to see as they're fueled by an intense scrutiny of Jesus by the Jewish religious leaders of the day. Today, we will see three major spiritual truths in the form of questions that come right out of this passage from Jesus' own words, along with seven objections from the crowd regarding Jesus' teaching. With each objection, you'll notice things continue to get more and more intense. But before we study, let's ask God's help. Would you please pray with me? Our Gracious Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word, we recognize that we are needy people in desperate need of hearing from you today, not hearing from this speaker, but from you with what you have from your word. Oh God, open your truth to us that we might hear it, move in our midst by the power of your spirit, move in our hearts and minds that we might receive it, Lord, may we be changed by you as we... Spend time hearing what you have to say from your very word to us. Help us not miss a thing. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. If you have your sermon notes outlined, here's the first truth by way of a question. Are you abiding in his word? Do you have a Bible? Go get one, right? Are you abiding in his word? Notice what it says first of all here that those who abide in God's word are true disciples. Isn't that what Jesus said? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. To abide is to live. That is to live in God's word. Are you living in his word this morning? If you are, then you are truly his disciple. Truly, a alethos, methetai, you are truly a follower of Christ if you abide in his word. To truly follow him, you would need to know what he really said. To know what he said, you would need to be in his word. Get a good Bible. Grab a text. Again, I'm using an ESV here, English Standard Version. Uh, it's a word-for-word translation. It's a great text to have access to God's Word. I love the New American Standard updated version. That's a great version too. Not so fond of the the NIV, sorry. All you NIV eyes, I know, I know, I'm stepping on toes. But understand the NIV is an idea equivalent translation. If you read the front matter of the text, it'll tell you it's an idea equivalent translation as opposed to being a word-for-word translation like the ESV and the New American Standard. So I encourage you, get a good Bible and then live in it. Destroy it. <laughs> read it all the time, okay? You can get another one if you read it, okay? Mark it up. Underline things. Make notes to yourself. Dear you, dear me, right? I need to get this. Those who abide in God's word are true disciples. That's what Jesus said. I'm just going to go with it secondly those who abide in god's word will know the truth ah oh, i want to know what's true how about you i desperately want to know what's true i mean we listen to our media you can't figure out what's true anymore right but this is always true always 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 jesus says and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free i just want to know what is truly true as opposed to being led away in falsehood as Jesus says and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and we go well how is it that truth sets us free well when you finally know what is true you can finally deal with what's true and that brings peace and freedom even with truth that we really don't want to hear when you don't know what's true, everything is up in the air until you finally find out what's really going on and you find out what's true and you go, oh, that's what's true. Okay, maybe I need to adjust my course based on what's real in reality. At which point we have our first objection in verse 33. As they answered him, oh, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Well, basically, they're saying to Jesus, you are inaccurate and confused, Jesus. Their confused claim is that surely, Jesus, you you are confused and you're wrong, inaccurate. Incidentally, they are the ones who are mistaken here. They are the ones who are wrong. They seem to have forgotten about that whole enslavement to Egypt thing for 430 years. You think they'd remember that, but Jesus is not detoured from his mission in the least. So he continues with our third truth here. Those who abide in God's word are no longer enslaved to sin. Are you hearing that? Those who abide in God's word are no longer enslaved to sin. Jesus answers them in verse 34. Truly, truly, this is the way it is, this is the way it is, deal with it, deal with it. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. If you're involved in sin in an ongoing manner where you cannot stop, that sin owns you. You're enslaved. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever but everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father and you do, not, and you do what you have heard from your father. We'll talk about that little dig in just a moment. In essence, Jesus is saying, you guys think you're not enslaved. But all of you are enslaved to sin. And sadly, so are we. All of us wrestle with sin. And sin has the capacity to grab us and hold on to us. Proverbs 5.22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. And he's held fast in the cords of his sin. So um, I just wanted to illustrate this. And so I went to the cupboard early this morning and I grabbed... This pitcher, is this valuable or important to you or anything? <laughs> so I've got a tennis ball, goes right in, right? Goes right out. And uh, I can take my hand and you know, I can reach in here and I'm in, right? Pull it out. I'm out, right? But I can put the ball in and sin is like that ball in there. And I go, boy, I want that. I want that. I'm going to squeeze in here and I can grab it. I hope it's not too valuable. (laughs) Is this coming off my hand? Are you okay? You okay, honey? (laughs) This is not coming off. Why? Because I'm holding on to the ball. You get the physics on this. Usually somebody illustrates this with a, you know, a monkey and a ball in a jar, right? And the monkey reaches his hand in and can't pull it out. As long as I hold on to this ball, I'm going to have a pitcher on my hand. I wonder to what degree, how many pitchers are people holding on to today? When all you have to do is let go of it and pull your hand out and find the freedom you're longing for. It's not complicated illustration, is it? But that's what sin does. It grabs you. Matter of fact, sin grabs stuff you never intended to grab. Sin has tentacles. I've seen it. It grabs things you never intended it to grab. It's a destroyer. That's what sin does. The awesome news is you don't have to be enslaved to it. You can be set free which is awesome, sin brings bondage. Bondage means shackles and chains. Shackles and chains means no freedom. No freedom means slavery. This is what sin does. It entangles, it ensnares, it grabs, it holds on. However, God's word brings freedom. Romans 6, 6 through 8, this won't be on the screen, but listen closely. Paul writes, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. (laughs) That's the whole point of the gospel. The problem with us is sin. The solution is Christ. And we need to put Christ on. We'll drop the ball. I'm serious. I know... I love you, but there are people, even in this room right now, you're holding on to stuff you need to let go of. Let it go. Be free. You're living so much beneath your means with the freedom that he affords you. It's all yours. It's his gift to you. But we're often silly and complicit. but 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 I want the ball. And we reach again. And we find ourselves entrapped. For one who has died has been set free from sin, Paul says. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. This is this idea of abiding. Remember where we started with this little discussion just a, a few points ago. Are you abiding in his word? If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. That's what he said in verse 31. But notice what Jesus says here at the back end. I know that you are offspring of of Abraham, verse 37. Yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. What a horrible indictment. Has God's word found its place in you? Are you biting in it? That's the question. Does God's word have a place in your world? Is God's word at home in you? Are you abiding in his word? Those who abide in his word are truly his disciples. They will know the truth. They will no longer be enslaved to sin. But secondly, are you hearing his word? Are you listening? Well, first of all, we have another objection. Objection number two In verse 39, the crowd, they answered him, well, Abraham is our father. Basically, they're saying to Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. You are clueless. He just said in verse 38, I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. Little dig. What's Jesus saying here? We've got different fathers here. I speak from what I've seen from my father. Through this inference, Jesus is insinuating that they have a different father than he does. You do what you have heard from your father. That is the devil. If we weren't sure about this, we're gonna know in a few minutes because Jesus is gonna call it out. Of course, they become indignant. Abraham is our father. You don't know what you're talking about. But Jesus just continues the onslaught of truth bombs. Are you hearing his word this morning? Those who hear will most certainly do. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 39. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Again, he's referring to their father. He hasn't named it yet, but we all know where this is going. Clearly, you guys have the wrong father. If you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't be trying to kill me. Those who truly hear God's word will most certainly be about doing what he has to say, precisely as Abraham did. Again, I've known way too many who have said, Well, I know God. I'm listening. I hear what he has to say. And then they go out and do whatever they want. They live in outright rebellion. And then they come back and go, boy, everything's going wrong, I wonder why. Just had a situation this week, working with a couple. And they basically have divorced themselves from truth, so therefore, they come back, and everything's going wrong, and go, yeah, I know, because you haven't been about who he is, have you? No, well, I wonder why it's going so bad. "Well, Well, there you go. This isn't complicated. What do you expect? Are you hearing his word? Well, yeah, I'm hearing it. Well, then, are you doing it? Well, no. Well, then, I don't think you're hearing it. Because <laughs> if you heard it, you'd be all about it. See, for the Jews, in the, the Hebrew, the word is Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And the word here is Shema in Hebrew. You can easily translate that word here as. Obey, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Obey. In other words, for the Jew, if you're hearing it, you should be all about doing it. For us Americans, well, I'll listen to it and I'll think about it and I'll get back to you. How arrogant of us. When God says, hey, this is what's true, this is what's real, what are you going to do? How are you going to live? Those who hear will most certainly do. Those who are truly in Christ will most certainly walk accordingly, and those who don't belong to Christ just simply won't. No goad will move them toward obedience. You know what a goad is? A little prod to get the animal down the chute? Apostle Paul at one point was kicking against the goads of God, and Jesus has his way with him. He's going to have his way with us. Those who hear will most certainly do And now we have a major objection, number three. In verse 41, they said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have our Father, even God. Wow. What are they saying? Well, you've got a sketchy past. And so they go with a personal slander here, a little character assassination from the crowd. We know about your parents, Jesus, and how they had to get married, that Joseph is probably not your real dad. We weren't born of sexual immorality like you. But Jesus is just unfazed by any of this. Notice he just doesn't address their rumor-mongering at all. He simply states what's true, where secondly, those who hear truly love Jesus because this is the turning point, this is the issue. You clearly don't love God and you clearly don't love me. Jesus says in verse 42, if God were your father, you'd love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came out of my own accord, but he sent me. What an indictment. You clearly don't love God because you don't love me. I'm from him, hello? Are you paying attention? Jesus said, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Further, John writes in 1 John 2, 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. And I ask you, how much do you love Jesus Are you listening to him or are you tolerating him? The crowd's trying to tolerate him a bit longer before they pick up rocks. Oh, don't just tolerate him. Embrace him. Love him for all that he is to us as our perfect savior from God. Those who hear truly love Jesus. Those who hear will most certainly do. But thirdly, here those who here truly believe what Jesus has to say. Again, it's one thing to hear; it's another thing to be about doing what's been said. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You guys don't want to hear it. And here comes the punchline, verse forty-four: You are of your father, the devil. You guys are from the pit of hell. That's why you're clueless on this. You guys, I don't don't want to be sourced from the bit of hell. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? You're of your father, the devil. Well, let's remind ourselves how bad the devil is. Understand, Satan is not just against God, he wants to be God. He's a counterfeit. And he shows up looking pretty cool. Hey. He's mesmerizing. And he grabs all of us with our fleshly desires. So who are we listening to? To to that guy or to him? Because the minute you start allowing to listen to what he has to say, you're in trouble already. You're already accommodating the rebellion. But we have a dialogue those who wrestle with what we'll call life-altering sin or life-dominating sin, they'll usually put together a a way of moving forward with the trajectory of the rebellion. It's called a routine. And once they start the routine, the routine is gonna bring them to the rebellion. So the alcoholic... The routine is well I have to have access to funds and access to what I'm going to be drinking. And so I'm going to go I'm going to go to the store and buy it and the routine begins and now I own it and now it's in my home and now I'm going to chug it. The pornographer. Nobody's around? Got the computer here. Got some time. The routine begins. And once you start the routine, you're off to the races with the rebellion. And the only way to stop the routine is to, to not start the routine, ever. Don't start it, and you won't go there. Remember Daniel? Daniel who was taken hostage by Nebuchadnezzar and they were offered the king's food But it says of Daniel that he had resolved not to to defile himself. Do you think he made that decision in the midst of that? No, he made up his mind a long time ago to not start the routine. I will not eat this stuff. Can't make me. I'd rather you kill me than eat this stuff. He had resolved in his heart. Some of us, we haven't resolved. I'm still up for debate on that. I might want to do that. Well, here's the deal. You'll find no freedom until you have resolution, until you conclude I'm done with that. By the way, everybody I know who's ever quit something, they did exactly that they quit. Think about it. Think about it. anybody you know who ever wrestled with whatever. Every one of them, they did what? They quit. My grandmother smoked like a furnace most of her life. And one day, she just she quit. No patch, no special therapy sessions. One day she came home and she didn't smoke anymore. She made a decision. I'm not going to do that. I'm done. You go, wow. And We all know nicotine, that's a tough one. You mean you can quit? I can stop? Yeah, you can. This is the freedom that's afforded to you in Christ. That's the whole point of the gospel, that I don't have to be enslaved to this stuff anymore. I can be set free finally. Oh, that we just run to him. Take this on. Those who truly believe, those who hear truly believe what Jesus has to say. Fourthly here, those who hear belong to God personally. Do you hear this? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God Boy, what a horrible predicament that would be, to not be of God. Those who here belong to God personally. We ask the question, well, what does it mean to be of God? It means to be born of God, to be born again. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the phrase of God. If you've been born of God, then you are His. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You belong to Him. If you're hearing what He has to say, He's got you, and He's not letting go. He plays for keeps. And now we have the fourth hostile objection. Listen to what they say to him in verse 48. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Clearly you are a possessed half-breed. That's what they're saying. Using racial and spiritual slander. Beloved, are you abiding in his word? Are you hearing it this morning? Abiding, hearing, thirdly, Are you keeping his word? These are Jesus' words. I just grabbed them right out of the text. (laughs) Are you keeping his word this morning? First of all here, those who keep his word will never see death. In verse 49, Jesus answers, I do not have a demon. It's the first time he actually responds to what they're saying. I don't have a demon. Get a clue. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it. And he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. In the Greek, the word to keep, that is if you're guarding his word, if you're keeping your eye on it, you'll never see death. You'll have access to everlasting life with him. This is the whole truth and message of scripture that we can finally find our lives that we've corrupted through our own rebellion. Are you keeping his word? And we come to the fifth major objection. In verse 52, the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. And Abraham died, and as did the prophets, yet yeah, you say, if anyone keeps my word, you will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? What's the answer to that? Yep. Yes, he is greater than Abraham. And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Basically, the question is, who do you think you are? Think you're God or something? The answer is yes, I am. Abraham and the prophets kept God's word and they all died. How can you now say that if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death? Are you greater than our father? Secondly, Those who keep his word will find enduring joy. This is something we haven't talked about much. Those who keep his word will find enduring joy. We're not talking about happiness here. Happiness, you know, the root word for happiness is happenstance or happens. That seems to be malleable, it's uh, adjustable, it's uh, circumstantially oriented. But joy, when we're talking about joy, we're talking about a deep-seated knowledge of where we stand with God. Jesus answers in verse 54, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you've not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Joy. Those who keep his word will find enduring joy, just as Abraham saw the joy of a son finally being born to him. As the seed line progressed through Isaac, joy, rejoicing, gladness. And we reflect on the joys of life. The beautiful colors outside right now with sunshine. It was nice to see the sun, wasn't it? For the few minutes that we get a chance. And it's just glorious. And we go, God, you're awesome. For the glories of a newborn child. and The joys that accompany it. Or the joys of a new job, a new opportunity. We understand these things. And this is the kind of joy that's being spoken of that those who keep his word will find enduring joy. See, we think our sin and rebellion will bring us happiness, and it can't possibly do that. Only trusting him will. At which point we get another major objection, number six, verse 37, so the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and, and have you seen Abraham? What did Jesus have said? Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw and was glad... What do they say? You're you're out of your mind, Jesus. You're crazy. You're only you're late twenties here, and what are you talking about? That you that you and Abraham hung out. What? You're nuts. But again, Jesus is unflappable, and now he goes to the essence of the argument in verse fifty-eight as we realize that those who keep his word have access to the great I am. Jesus said to them, truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was I am. And I just want you to picture for just a moment, not that we want to see this in reality but in a spiritual way, a little mushroom cloud over when he says I am. I'm God. I'm the divine one you've been waiting for that you're rejecting, you're trying to kill. You guys are so clueless. You were of your father, the devil. And you don't get it. The better question for us today is, do we get it? Do we understand? Because we finally see this last violent objection. In verse 59, so they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They knew it was at stake with what he said. Get a rock, That's blasphemy, you saying that you're I am. How dare you put yourself on par with God unless in reality you are God, which is the case. The crowd keeps objecting. You are inaccurate and confused. You don't know what you're talking about. You have a sketchy past. You're a possessed half-breed. Who do you think you are? You're out of your mind, off with his head. But the questions remain for us. Are you this morning abiding in his word? Are you hearing what he has to say? And are you keeping it? That's where you're gonna find where he is as you abide with him. In his truth, you'll have access to the great I am. You'll have joy, not the frustrations of rebellion. You'll have freedom from sin, life everlasting. I'm pretty sure all of us are interested in this. You can't wait to, to have access to it. Only through Christ. Would you please pray with me? Our gracious heavenly Father, I just thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for the truth and the power, the veracity of your word to us. Lord, may it be that these things don't just slip by us. We go ho-hum, just heard another message, sat through church, aren't I spiritual? God forbid. Lord, may we hear these things. May we move towards you in all of it, as we abide in your word, as we hear what you have to say, as we do all that we can to keep it, knowing that in our own strength we cannot do this. We need your help to do so. We need your help by the power of your spirit put our feet to the fire about your truth. But Lord, by your spirit, may you draw us to your word that we might live in it. May you draw us to your word that we might hear it. May you draw us to your word that we might be about keeping it. Oh God, have your way with us. And may we be submitted to you in all things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your word to us. We pray all this your son's wonderful and awesome name. Amen. At this point, the amazing John Ruza has something to say.
1: Yes, if I can hold all of you just for a couple minutes. Uh, most of you know that October is Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm not sure why they limit it to just one month, but uh, we should appreciate our pastors every month. And I know that you do. So um, I just would like uh, Brad... Nick, and uh, Jeff, you just come up here. I've already given Wendy the okay not to come up here, but we want to just acknowledge and honor our our pastors and our staff um, briefly here, and uh, just, again, I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know, but these are motivated, skilled leaders, and they lead by example. But they need our encouragement and our prayers on a regular basis, as they are point of spiritual attack, as you can imagine. So anyways, um, I just want to honor all of you uh, on behalf of the board and the congregation. And uh, as you would say, Pastor Brad, we have um, parting gifts for our contestants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. Um, Let's just
1: give them all a hand. You are now dismissed.